I think it's um, a bit of a funny subject, mentoring, because people I don't think really understand what it is. And you have people who say, oh, you know, I need to get a mentor, but, you know, what do they want to get the mentor for? And it may be, you know, very generic in terms of strength and conditioning or maybe something quite specific, uh, maybe something around speed or around power training, policy-based training, something like that. So I think I think the, the key for, for anyone who wants to find a mentor is to, to really seek out someone that they think is going to improve the areas that you know, they want to improve at as a professional. And I think you know, that goes back another step to where you, you really have to do some research on yourself to start with to be able to identify you know, what your strengths and weaknesses are and where you're going to get the most benefit from. Hello and welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Make sure if you haven't already to subscribe to my YouTube channel to receive a notification and never miss a live interview. I hope you enjoyed this interview and please share with a friend or a teammate that you think will value this episode. Let's go. Live chat show. My name is Jack McLean. I'm your host and today my guest is John Mitchell. He's currently a strength and conditioning performance consultant at MFJ Performance as well as working with the Rugby Reds and the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association. Our key topic for today's chat will be really engaging for not only strength and conditioning coaches, but performance staff and anyone that really wants to get the most out of themselves from their career. We're discussing the importance of education and mentorship specifically for strength and conditioning coaches. So if you're tuning in live, make sure to hit us up in the comment section and send us through some questions and no doubt we'll find some time a little bit later on the show. But welcome, John. Thanks for jumping on, mate. Really looking forward to our chat. Yeah, thanks, Jack. Uh, pleasure to be here, mate. Exciting sort of stuff to be involved in the podcast would be great absolutely and for those that aren't aware of your work i'm sure all the aussie snc certainly are aware of your career mate but maybe for the internationals or perhaps for the aussies that are perhaps still studying or, or working their way through the industry do you mind giving us a bit of a background of i guess how you sort of uh, started in the industry your passion for it and your different um, experiences you've had along the way as well as academic side of things yeah thanks jack look i've been involved in the industry for you know 30 plus years so to, to go through the four careers, probably going to take up the majority of the podcast. So I guess initially, uh, yeah, I was a mate's backyard gym that got me excited about you know, strength training initially and, and the whole strength and conditioning sort of scene. So as a young 14, 15-year-old, uh, Flex Magazines and Muscle and Fitness and, and Backyard Gym was my starting place to experiment and you know, pretty much play with, with strength stuff initially and then move more into you know, the strength and conditioning sort of things. Yeah, I worked... Uh, initially as a, as a phys ed teacher so I went through and did physical education worked as a phys ed teacher I would finish playing rugby league myself but got involved in coaching um, because I, I had a bit of an interest in strength and conditioning I worked in a gym uh, they said would you be interested in taking on the uh, strength and conditioning role and I said yeah that'd be, that'd be great I'd, I'd love to get involved in that so pretty much that was at the, the Canberra Raiders at the time working with the, the junior development squad so from you know, 15 through to 21 year old boys doing all the strength and conditioning there um, from there I moved into a role at the ACT Academy of Sports which was predominantly working with Olympic based sports um, where I worked with you know, baseball rowing you know, softball basketball figure skating you know, a whole heap of different things and I think you know, that really allowed me to, to spread my wings a little bit and get a little bit of experience in sports that I wasn't necessarily familiar with but was able to you know, build a rapport with those so, um, do some great Learning, sitting chair, coaches' ears off on what's important for the sport and be able to really develop some, some good programming there. 
Um, whilst I was at the academy this quarter, I was lucky enough to get invited to, to do some work with the um, Australian rugby team, the Wallabies, and you know, for a period of three years, of preparation through to 2007, I assisted with some of the players there, and then after the end of that contract there, I was able to secure a full-time role with Rugby Australia at the time, um, which then took me you know, across all of the the provinces here, so working with all different provinces, academy programs, and then moving into the, the seven side of things. So, so up until 2014, I was involved as the, the head of strength and conditioning with the, the rugby sevens program, we across both the men's and women's programs. With all the travel, it was ultimately really too hard on the family. Uh, the last year I was involved with the sevens, I was away you know, over 250 days of the year. So in 2014, uh, my contract was up and I decided not to, to renew to be able to spend some time with the family. I was fortunate enough to, to get a role at the Australian Institute of Sport, uh, working with rowing and gymnastics, where I was there for three years before I was asked to do some work again in rugby and working with the ACT Brumbies in Canberra, where I went into a full-time role there and became head of performance through the COVID period, which was quite challenging. And then finally finalising that role there in where as a family decision, we decided to, to move up to the Gold Coast and I didn't have any job or a role and moved up to the Gold Coast, started my own performance business, was lucky enough to pick up some work with um, the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association in education and, and, and rebuilding the, um, the coach education courses, also with the men's sprint kayak crew for the Tokyo Olympic Games and then also picked up some work with the Queensland Rugby League performance programs. And then after a bit of time I've been fortunate enough now to where the Queensland Rugby League offered me a much greater role there as the head of physical performance so I've been able to, to work across a number of programs there and particularly you know, to work with pathways development players from 15 right through to a men's state of origin has, has been a real highlight of the role there so that was a really quick run through what I've done I'm where I'm up to but you know I've been really fortunate and really grateful for all the opportunities I've had across so many different sports and now uh, you know, I suppose I've been in a long time and, and still really love it and, and super passionate about it sincerely. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, thanks for sharing, John. Are they, I guess looking back, who was who have been some sort of strong influences or mentors, if you like, quite fitting for the question we're going into, um, that have helped shape your philosophy along the way? Well, I've got to say, probably the most influential to start with was a guy who was, was super passionate in the way he coached and was super hard in the way he coached well, it was Kelvin Giles and I'm sure many people are familiar with Kelvin Giles but he was the strength and conditioning coach to the Canberra Raiders when I was an up and coming player there I didn't quite make it as a, as a top notch player but I was fortunate enough to be involved in their program and had Kelvin Giles and another guy called Sean McRae and strength and conditioning at that time within professional sport but it was just becoming something that people were getting excited about and, and becoming a bit of a career within the sporting industry whereas before it was just more about you know, some people did both some people didn't some people did their conditioning some didn't so I was really fortunate to have those guys to start with and then I think yeah the next guy who was really influential was uh, a guy I worked with in teaching the name of John Barber that no one would, would have heard of before but you know he took me under his wing at the, the first school I taught at and we created a, a gym environment at school and he encouraged me to go off and do my level one strength conditioning um, certificate back many moons ago, the early 90s, and I haven't looked back since. So, you know, John and I still talk 
on a regular basis and you know, he's more like a life mentor to me these days that uh, you know, helps me sort out a few problems I have across all different elements of, of my life, my career, and things like that. I guess to move on from there, you know, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of really good strength and conditioning coaches. You know, Julian Jones through the Australian Institute of Sport and Baker, David Boyle, Ben Serple, Damien Marsh, have all been really influential in my career and, and have been good at just questioning what I do to make me a better coach. So yes, on reflection of the the work that I, I do with you know, on, that, on the field, but in conditioning or speed or whatever I'm doing, you know, work in the gym with our strength and power stuff from a recovery point of view. I've just been so fortunate have some, some really good people I can turn to and, and act as mentors for me. And looking back at your career, are there moments that sort of spring front of mind that you're most proud of? I guess highlights, obviously there's a lot of different in, uh, successful environments that you've been involved in, but I guess what was some, some of your top three or top one that really stands out as some of your yeah, pretty special moments? Oh, look, that's a really tough question. I think particularly uh, the Brumbies during 2023, COVID, uh, the adversity went through that season where we had the bushfire, super in Canberra and we had to relocate our pre-season program to Newcastle for a two-week period. There were a number of different challenges in, in Newcastle as well. And then the season sort of stopped halfway through due to COVID and then we had to restart and, and everyone's been through you know, the, the COVID period and the challenges that were associated there but to you know, have, a, have a revamp competition and to be able to come out and when that competition was was outstanding for us, for me as well, just around you know, the planning and stuff we put in place to, to safely navigate um, that period of time. Looking back, you know, the early 2000s, I was fortunate enough to do some work with the Canberra Capitals women's basketball team. So we, we won six championships over 10 years. And we're, we're really lucky to have some, some fantastic players and, and arguably some of the best women's players in the world at the time. And working with those uh, ladies putting challenges forward for them to, to be better when they're already a great team and, and the way they embraced it was, was fantastic just you know, there's so many you know, working figure skating you know, we you know, had one of our Australian female figure skaters back into the top 14 in the world which you know for Australia had not really been out as a, a, a figure skating nation and just the challenges for a strength and conditioning coach to working in a, in a sport where you know it's linear, but there's no real passion there. It's about that, the speed and power off the ice and the, uh, the force they can generate to be able to propel themselves in the air, which was, was really fascinating as an SNC coach and um, the, the research they had to do and uh, the connection you had to make to be able to come up with the right results or, or the right pro- programs for, for these athletes. But it was incredible. Yeah, I'll keep going. I mean, there's been, there's been so many you know, great athletes there, you know, the men's. Men's four rowing to 17 world championships. Um, Kim Brennan winning the gold medal in Rio. Um, she's arguably one of the, the greatest female athletes I've ever worked with. Super tough, up to any challenge. Um, would question what you were giving up, but you gave her the right answer and she just embraced it 100%. So, yeah. Anyway, I could keep going on, but there's some fantastic memories and, uh, and challenges. And um, yeah, just really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for sharing. And uh, it's a great insight into some yeah experiences that you can you can sort of witness and and take on full 
full throttle when you're you know, living and breathing in the in the industry full time. What about on the flip side, mate? Obviously, come, with elite sport comes pressure and, and challenging situations. What have been some of the biggest challenges that you faced, and how did you navigate them? And ultimately, what did you? How did you grow? Or what did you learn from facing those challenges? I alluded to it probably the the, the Brumbies during that COVID season was probably one of the biggest challenges. Even before COVID, as I said, with with the bushfires, having to relocate to Newcastle, and funny side of it was we we just finished the, the first day and just finished in the gym. And the boys were able to finish off their last of their session. And myself and my assistant, our rehab coach, were all looking at each other, going, "How well is this going? We relocate, and we got up here, we got through." The full day, one of the boys said, "What's that coming out underneath the door?" And we looked over, and there was all this water coming out from under the door in this this gym we're at. But it wasn't water; it was actually sewage. So there was a few other elements that came floating under the door as well. And the boys were monkey barring their way along on the cages to get out, and uh, it became known as the Great Konami uh, affected in the gym. So, but not only had we found one gym, we had to go and go and then find another gym so, so I mean that, 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 that was a, a massive challenge you know trying to find you know venues in a, in a town you're not familiar with and yeah that was that was a really big challenge I, more recently you know some of the women's origin girls were there you know coming back from rehab programs where you know the girls were were based in a statewide comp- they signed with in the National Rugby League women's competition um, in no man's land and, and girls were getting injuries from different training they're doing different points in time Time. So trying to coordinate and, and pull all that together and, and try and get girls through to that first origin game it was it was a real challenge there and, and working with you know, different clubs around what they were doing with the girls, how much rain they'd done and what they'd done prior to coming into the program and that sort of thing. So so that was ultimately a, a big challenge. But I think the biggest challenge is trying to, across all sports, to just build that rapport with your head coach to start with. If you you can build that rapport with with your head coach and get their buy-in and, and their trust in what you're doing. And then once you have that, you build with the players, the players building the trust. And you can do tremendous things once you have that trust. So particularly your head coach and your players. And I think that's something I really strive for all the time is to, to build that trust and you know have the accountability with the group to be able to say, yeah, we're, we're going to do great things here if we, if we all work together. Uh, I guess moving into the key topic in terms of education, we'll start with mentorship. What do you believe are some of the benefits for for, you know, for aspiring coaches finding a mentor early on in their career when they're in that sort of developmental stage? Yeah, I think it's uh, a funny subject, mentoring, because people I don't think really understand what it is. I mean, you have people who say, oh, you know, I need to get a mentor, but you know, what do they want to get the mentor for? And it may be you know, very generic in terms of strength and conditioning or maybe something quite specific, uh, maybe something around speed or around power training, policy-based training or something like that. So I think I think the, the key for, for anyone who wants to find a mentor is to, to really seek out someone that they think is going to improve the areas that you know, they want to improve as a professional. And I think you know, that goes back another step to where you, you really have to do some research on yourself to start with to be able to identify you know, what your strengths and weaknesses are and where you're going to get the most benefit from a mentor. Uh, how can you seek out a mentor that is going to be of most value to you in that 
areas that you need to improve in. And I might necessarily be strength and conditioning stuff, or it might be someone you want to um, look at from a time management point of view, or, or just handling adversity and problems and things like that. So you know, it doesn't always have to be someone from S and C. But again, you know, if you want to improve your trade and, and your and your skills within your trade, you're looking specifically at S and Cs. Um, if you want to improve your overall ability to, to deal with, with your, your day-to-day situations, manage up, manage down, you may be looking for a different sort of mentor. And I guess on the flip side, for mentors listening in or those in leadership positions, management positions, what role do you believe mentors sort of play when you know trying to develop their staff and their strength initiating, specifically to strength initiating coaches? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think a lot of people ask to be mentored and they're not really sure how to mentor themselves so that they're sort of expecting that the mentee to come along and ask questions and that sort of thing but when the mentee comes on and goes oh so you're my mentor or how's this going to work and you go well you're supposed to be telling me what you want to do then I think that the mentor then has to you know have some sort of framework of you know how can I find out what this mentee needs to work on and so you know you can have a structured framework or any you know say well what what are your communication skills like how would you write your communication skills? What are your management skills like? What are, yeah, what are your technical skills like? How are you within in the speed environment? Have you done much stuff in, in strength and power? What's your velocity based training kind of like? Where do you see yourself in energy systems development? How's your progress there? Can you work in the rehab space? Do you have knowledge of, of the injury rehab? How to bring someone back from you know a specific injury or something like that? Uh, have you worked in recovery before? Um, what are the, Main things around recovery you need to work on, what logistical stuff. So, so putting out a map for that mentees so they can then go away and reflect on, say, hey, well, you know, what do I really want to work on? And then when they come back to you and, and show you what to work on, you may have a template you work with and then bring it back and say, hey, I'm a, a three out of three for everything. You go, well, you don't really need me to three out of three for everything. You know, I want to say, you know, an honest feedback on what you do because a lot of people want to try and tell you that they're really good when potentially they, they do have pitfalls they do have elements they need to work on so so what do you need to work on how can I assist you and I might not be the right person to assist you it might be you know you ask me I want to be the best speed coach in the world and you know I've done a certain amount of speed but I'm not going to be able to take you to that next level so it might be my role as a mentor then to be able to pass you on to somebody else to be able to improve your, your speed abilities if that all makes sense yeah 100% yeah and I guess for, for those listening in that perhaps are working maybe part-time at a sporting club, do you feel like when you're in that situation, you're working part-time at semi-professional level in sport and then you're you know, uh, working perhaps out of the industry to, to make ends meet, Do you is it best to find your mentor outside of the workplace uh, or do you think finding your, your, trying to find your mentor internally is the best way to go? Or is it, is it, I guess it's a fair bit of context to that, but yeah, yeah do you, is, does your mentor in your environment or, or more external? Yeah, I think there's pros and cons for both, obviously, and the availability of someone with your own, in, in your own environment makes it easier to be able to get that done, but does that person have their skills and abilities that you want to be able to, to learn from? And there might be certain things you, you may pick up from, and they might be really good on the strengths. Sort of thing you go, okay, well, I'm going to really pick up as much as I can from this person, but I want to be able to grow in, you know, the, the management sort of, I want to be able to learn some more about, you know, the rehab sort of things, particularly 
there is because that's what we predominantly see within where we're working. So then it's about, well, you talk to people within your, your own uh, workplace and see if they know anyone who, who you know, they've dealt with or, or then start to, to look, you know, with on LinkedIn or, or whatever it is, try and find, you know, someone who's going to be able to, to give you that upskilling in the area that you want to work in. And again, just don't expect that, you know, if you go and ask someone that, yeah, they're going to mentor you as well. I mean, you, you need to be fairly genuine about going along and, and offering, you know, to be able to help in some sort of way to get that, that information that you want to get as well. It's you scratch my back, scratch your back sort of relationship there. Yeah, I think that brings out a good point. Yeah, you've been in the industry for quite some time now. I'm sure you've seen different partnerships with mentees and mentors. What do you think's sort of fair from both ends? Is it is there is it a financial sort of agreement, paying the mentor an hourly rate? Yeah, is it helping out their environment, perhaps with sort of volunteering some hours to make their life a bit easier? If they're managing a program, what, what, where do you think? What do you think sort of the best, yeah, partnership? Well, I think to start with, you know, we're all standing. On the shoulders of you know greater people than themselves. I mean, I've, I've learned off many people um, within the industry, and it hasn't cost me anything. So you know, if people want to ask me questions or want me to mentor and things like that, you know, I feel it's more responsibility as part of our industry to be able to you know share my knowledge and and give time back to, to you know people who are up and coming within the industry. That said, though, I mean, and there there are very good people within the industry who people are willing to pay for that. And I think as professionals, if people are willing to pay for your time, you know that that's great as well. But me personally, I don't ask for the money. If people are willing to pay. Hey, yep, you beauty, that's great. But again, you know, I'm, I'm happy to share my knowledge. And as I said, I think it's part of you know me being a good human as part of our strength and conditioning family to be able to share my knowledge and, and hopefully bring the industry you know up to a higher level that is respected by all people within this profession mm. yeah well said thanks thanks for sharing man that's a, a good insight into what's sort of it can be a bit of a touchy subject but i think that's well wrapped up there and gives everyone clarity on yeah, the best way to sort of go about it in terms of the education side of things i guess for for those listening that have gone through the your standard sort of bachelor degree in sport exercise science then uh, they've done their level one level two asca and then they've completed their masters where do you see sort of your, your formal education going from there do you sort of recommend a phd is it keeping up to you know up to date with you with your research and applied research on areas that you're working on and focusing on it at your workplace casting articles what, what's sort of your favorite way or most effective way do you think in terms of keeping up to date with the science side of things at snc yeah i think there's kind of two questions i think your formal education and courses and stuff are really important in terms of building your foundation as a coach, so that underpinning knowledge to be able to execute, you know, the, the skills as a coach that you need to have to be well respected, more regarded, and ultimately get the performance results you want from your, from your athletes. I think in terms of your education, ongoing, you feel someone who's excited by by research and that sort of thing, by all means, follow that path because people who do their PhDs and that, it's people like me and that who like to read that. Those papers and gain that insight into you know, the, the knowledge and that that you're you're bringing to the industry. Um, I think that's a, a really valuable component. I think yeah, for people who do do their PhDs, and they think just because you've done a PhD that it makes you a great coach. Again, you know, the coaching experience and time on the floor, on the grass, in the pool, wherever it is, 
So, you know, you can't undervalue that practical experience um, of working with athletes on a day-to-day basis. So I strongly encourage you, if you are doing any extra research and that sort of thing, that you really balance it well with the coaching side of things. And unless you really want to get in a research stream, and as I said, that's, that's fantastic because we still need that research and that research helps to guide us in terms of the programs and that, that we put together. So, you know, please continue to do that. In terms of, you know, what I like to do around education, you know, books, you know, I still like to get the old paper book out and, and read it on planes and, and things like that. The journal articles are super great. And again, you know, I am a little bit old-fashioned with getting into to the podcast and, and e-books and things like that. I find super valuable. You, you can't go past it and, you know, some of the, you know, the older websites and things like that. Something like Nation kits are a pretty bad rapper around the place, but there's still some, some great articles in there. Charles Polycorn has got some really good pieces of work in there. Achieving structural balance, if you haven't read it before, it is a fantastic article and really can help inform you around your, your strength training and where you really want to go with with the work there. So, yeah, suck everything up. You've got to be sponge your whole life and, and be prepared to, to be a lifelong learner. Um, and how your learning occurs, as I said, whether you, you go down a research path, or, or whether you're, you're, you're reading books or whether you're actually finding mentors or, or going out and looking at you know, some of the professional teams and what they do and then we're going back and disseminating the information you got and then say, well, how does this apply to my environment? And people go a little bit astray when they, they go and see something that you know, a professional team is doing or a great coach has been doing and then they try and you know, pick up that and, and drop it into their program and, and wonder why it doesn't work um, because it hasn't been suited and, and fitted pilot for the program you have there maybe a few little ideas you can take out but you know nine times out of ten you're not going to be able to pick up someone else's program or pick up someone's research and put it into what you're doing so you know, take it all on by all means um, but then be really discerning in, in the group of athletes that you work with how you actually implement those programs yeah thank you for that that's just some great recommendation in terms of websites and, and articles for, for those to read and, and access. What about uh, certificates and, and courses that like we mentioned, the ASCA courses and even conferences what, what, um, for sort of more your, your education as well as networking? What would be some of your favourite ones that you've experienced um, for SNCs? Oh, look, I'm, I'm extremely biased. I think you know, the ACA uh, does a tremendous job around the, the course education um, they have now. You know, we've just been able to... Um, uh, rebuild the, the level one, two, and, and three courses. Um, there's some really good, good up-to-date information there. Um, is it everything you want it to be? Probably not, but it's a, it's a really good start there. Uh, um, and then moving on from there, the, the ACA conference um, that, that's held every year, um, November this year, second um, to the fourth uh, on the Gold Coast. So, you know, love to have as many people as we can come to that conference. Again, a lot of really good learning to be had in the in the lectures and the, and the practical sessions, but a whole lot of good stuff happens outside in the you know the show room and that sort of thing where you, you bump into people and you get talking and relationships build your network. So you know I can't recommend that highly enough. But again, there's, there's a lot of different things going on. If there's a professional development network groups happening all across Australia, which you know anyone within those areas. Can, can get in. Uh, you know, there's one happening in uh, the 
Brisbane, Britain next week, actually down at Cash Arena, not next week, in two weeks' time. So there's there's ones happening in each of the major centres around around Australia at the moment. Um, but again, yeah, if you're getting along to uh, to US based, you know, the NSCA Coaches Conference I mean, January is always a really good conference to attend. The UK SCA Conference, which is coming up at the back end of August, which is over in Nottingham. I was fortunate enough to go to that conference last year, and, and again, some some fantastic presenters. This where you pick up knowledge, and the UK one is quite broad in terms of the the scope of the, the conference as well. They have business people and that sort of thing, and come in and talk about problem solving, etc. So, look at you know, there's some, some good stuff happening around the world, and I strongly you know advocate for for the SCA stuff. As I said, here's another one. I haven't been the game, but the feedback I've I've heard um, from people who have attended it and rated that really highly. So, um, there, there's plenty of good stuff going on out there. And again, it's you know if you go to something and yeah, you, know, you only have to pick up one good thing out of it. You go along and you think, oh, you know, this is all rubbish. Nine out of ten of it's rubbish. But if you get one little golden egg that you're learning, hey, that's that's awesome. And then it's been a success for you, hasn't it? So you know, going with an open mind to whatever education you, you get in. And as I said, if you pick up one good thing, then yeah, you know, it's a winner for you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That that is mentioned something a little bit earlier in terms of you know. Uh, the the mentor asking the mentee questions so you can really be clear and have purpose to to those meetings um, for a mentee that I'm, I'm sure you've worked with in the uh, in the past. I mean, there's lots to sort of expose yourself to uh, when it comes to energy system development, strength, power, um, drilling, you know, the coordinative based training, uh, management, like you said. So and the rapport and communication as well with coaching. So there's a fair bit that goes into it early on for a coach. Like, what would be your advice for someone that's perhaps finds that um, overwhelming or, or they find themselves um, focusing on one thing and then before you know it, two weeks later, they're focusing on another thing. Well, be, I'm sure you've seen those uh, situations before uh, and we've all sort of probably experienced it when we're developing. Uh, what would be your focus? Is it one a month and get really nailed down on that area before moving on to another? Or is it even longer? Like it, you know, is it six months and then move on to another phase of your coaching? What sort of advice there? Look, if you tell like, how a piece of string there, Jack? It's, 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 it's a big question. I think, yeah, fundamentally, you know, getting the basics right is the key for, for anyone that you mentor. They come along to you and, you know, what, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to be a strength and conditioning coach? So, you know, how do you coach? What's your philosophy around coaching? You know, how do you get athletes and coaches to, to buy in to what you're doing? So, I think, yeah, the fundamentals is the, is the key one to start with. And as they can improve their, their coaching skill, that they're skills as a coach then how do we build in or how, do, how does that look when you're, you're coaching a, um, a female athlete as opposed to a male athlete a, a junior athlete to a senior athlete and the same athlete when they're doing energy systems training or rip speed or something like that as compared to doing power clean in the gym so I think it's understanding the, the diversity of, of the role and the, the adaptability that you have to have as a coach to be able to get across your your point and be able to get you know, people to do stuff they won't necessarily want to do. So how good are you getting people to do stuff that they want to do? It is a big one. Do you want to do 10 400s today? No one wants to do 10 400s today. So how do you encourage them to, to do that? How do you bring the passion, the energy, and that sort of thing to your session? So I think initially that's one of the key things I like to, to build in with anyone I'm mentoring is you know, how, how do you coach? You know, how, what energy do you bring to the session? What happens when you walk through the door into the gym and you've had a crap day? 
you better fight with your girlfriend or you know, your mum's kicked you out of the house or, or whatever's happened. How do you change from being that person who's you know, down to walking into the gym and then being able to uh, to grab you know, 18 females and be able to uh, get them to get through the session and, and do it with the intent that you want them to have? How do you get that individual athlete uh, who's had a bad day as well? How do you bring the energy to that person to get them through? So a lot of my early mentoring that I do with coaches is about and, you know, how, how do you actually present yourself? Are you a great coach? How can you bring that energy to your coach? And then I think you know, the, the skills and technique around you know, the, the, the elements of S&C, you know, with, with speed, strength, power, energy systems, recovery, all those sort of things, then that becomes a secondary point. That, that knowledge that you've gained from your university degree, uh, from your ASCA courses and that sort of thing, that starts to flow in once you can coach but unfortunately there's not a lot around about how we improve our coaching or how we change who we are to be you know the best one ourselves when we get in front of a group of athletes hopefully that makes sense yeah well that's a good rant there yeah no absolutely I think I think that's great I think the, the flow in question for that might have been John Kylie I had on recently he put it quite put in a sort of mentioned something similar for some advice for, for coaches and he said that you know we, we expect players to warm up well and as coaches we also need to mentally warm ourselves up before we get our you know before we coach i guess what would be your advice for for coaches like you said to be able to bring that energy make sure you engage your athletes like before the briefing or before you start uh, coaching for the day what's some of your favorite strategies to make sure you're in a right frame of mind and you're really clear on your message with your athletes well i think it's you know understanding what your session is it's it's not a fly by the seat of your pants and come in and go yeah we're doing this session today as well. You know, you are well planned. I think you know, meeting with your athletes prior to the session, that's not a formal thing. You know, just walking around and asking them how they are. You know, how was your weekend? You know, getting to know a bit about your athletes. So you get a feel for what the room's going to be like once you start the session. You know, particularly if they've come off a couple of hard days of training or if a poor result on the weekend, you know, they may be down a little bit. So then you're thinking, well, this is session I've got planned, I really need to be on my game here, I really need to be up-tempo and ready to go. If they're, they're really up-tempo and, and they're feeling, well, maybe you might have to just hold them back a little bit because you might be worried that, you know, that, that 250 kilos, what you're going to do is turn it into a 260 and they might hurt themselves. I mean, you know, I've seen how many people do 250, 260 kilos, what my pass, it was just an exaggeration. But, yeah, you, you've got a you know, room and I think that that's part of your preparation. You know exactly what you're going to do. Get a feel for, for the, the, the room and the field, the, you know, whatever environment you step into next to try and inspire them to greatness. How do they feel? How are you going to be able to change what you're doing to be able to get them to where you want them to be? So I think that's uh, you know, part of it. And I like to prepare, you know, I'll get through, put a little PowerPoint slide together for some group. So, you know, we may have a, a screen up in the gym or a, a screen in, in a room where we have a team meeting and that sort of thing and you know put up a, a quote maybe related to the what the, the team overall is trying to achieve for a week what's part of their game model for the week um, is it about toughness well you know what sort of toughness quote can I can I bring in how does that reflect in the, in the toughness we're going to see on, on the field during the um, conditioning session that may be coming how does that reflect in the gym session that, that I'm going to be doing you know we're, we're going to be looking at you know doing four sets of five and we're, 
looking at eighty five percent. It'd be really tough on that eight, that last set at eighty five percent. If you can get five, that's terrible. If you can get six, that's about. Let's see, I'm going to go go to war on that. I'm going to be able to really push through that that mental pain barrier to get a good set out there. So, how do you build it into the session? And how do you how do you see your athletes coming in? Or what sort of mentality do they have? So, just trying to draw a number of different elements to be able to you know, bring life to the session and, and make it something where they're going to go into with good intent and be able to get the most out of it. Very good. Last question on the topic. I think you referenced it a little bit earlier. LinkedIn's a great place to find um, mentors for those looking. Uh, what are some other avenues or other strategies that you've found um, for either mentees, how they've found you, I guess, as a, as a mentor and or, or other mentors that you've spoken to in terms of how people have sort of accessed a, a, a specialised coaching, maybe speed training, you know, sprint training. What's the best way to try and find those coaches to um, mentor yourself? Well, I think a lot of it comes through, you know, as, as we talked about, LinkedIn's one modality, the, the ACA have on their website where you can you can find a mentor on that as well. But I think it comes through your own network of people where you're able to say, hey, I'm looking for somebody who is a specialist in, in velocity-based training, do you know of anyone? So your network becomes really critical in, in growing your own career and in growing your abilities to, to work across different um, components of strength and conditioning. So so building your network, getting to conferences, and then you can start having casual conversations with you know, people who are probably higher in the industry, you know, people who are presenting at these conferences and that. They, they love to have a chat. Get in and talk with them. Find out little th- things about them. Ask them where they might be interested in it. And they may say no because you know, 700 people have come up before you've come up and said no, but they, there may be someone else standing there who's you know second best that you may be able to, to get hold of. So you know, be willing to, to get yourself out there, talk to different people. As I said, look at the ACA website, you know, check on LinkedIn who's around. I think that there's some of your best options. The other thing is to your, your athletes, Work with if they've been at other clubs, you know, they might work with some, some really good strength and conditioning coaches. They come in and you've got this athlete that's showing some great running technique. Well, where were you before? And he says, Oh, yeah, I was, I was down at Melbourne Football Club and they, you know, they had this really good coach down there. And he's got a sister, and then you are. Oh, have you got a number for him? Do you mind if I give him a call? And yeah, so you, you just start to build connections like that. And generally, I think you know, within our, our strength and conditioning, I talk about a family now. now yeah, it is a family. Like, it's always easy to have a conversation with other coaches. You know, they tend to be passionate. They want to learn more. And they want to be able to share their knowledge. So, so don't be afraid to, to get on that on the phone or send an email. And just ask the worst they can say is no. Best they can do it if you want. So, so yeah. Yeah, it's an empowering message and probably a great way to wrap it up. But uh, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you'd like to share just before we wrap up the show, John, in terms of education and, you know, finding a mentor in strength conditioning? Well, I don't think that, you know, the best advice I can do is really reflect on your own coaching at the moment and what your philosophy is, just your, your general coaching philosophy, what energy do you bring to each session, and then what your philosophy around each to the key strength and conditioning elements are, you know, how do you coach speed, how do you coach strength, how do you coach power, how do you coach energy systems? Because if you understand how you do it, then you can find out where there's some potential deficits so that when you do go along to find a mentor, you know exactly what to do. And that way you save time for yourself because you're already researching, so you know what you're looking for. And it saves time for your mentor rather than have to go through a 
series of questions about, oh, what, what have you done? Where have you been? What's happening? If you go along and say straight away, this is what I'm looking for, it, you know, it helps cut down time for, for both people. So I, I think it's a really big thing. Try and understand yourself to start with. Understand your philosophies so that you, when you, someone asks you about it, a mentor asks you about it, you can clearly articulate it. Fantastic. That's awesome. And um, for anyone that wants to ask any follow-up questions, where's the best place to get in contact? Um, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. This is probably the easiest one to get hold of me to get some questions there or on Twitter, which is Mitchell one triple three. I think. Off the top of my head. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Three. Yeah. You three's in there. Yeah, I can add the links in the show notes. The last three questions are sort of just speed questions. Have you got pet peeves in the industry or anything that sort of fires you up, makes you angry? Uh, I guess lateness to session is a pet peeve. I think it's you know the old thing. You know, if you're if you're five minutes early, you're five minutes late, sort of thing. So you know, making sure that you know your athletes are on time and any coaches that are working with you are on time on sessions. I think. It's a big one. Please and thank you. These are always, you know, well regarded by me. You know, if, you, if you're saying please, please and thank you. I'm um, showing gratitude for, for anyone who helps you. you know, if, if someone walks through the gym and is cleaning the gym, you know, you thank them for the work they're doing. And if you're on a bus to a team and you get off the bus, you thank the driver. Those sort of things, I think, are really important. Those just, you know, human elements. Um, and, and keeping stuff clean, that's, I suppose, a bit of a, a cliche these days. You know, sweep the sheds, the, you know, the All Blacks from the, the Legacy book and that sort of thing. But, you know, leaving stuff the way you found it or, or in a better place is, is something I, I really appreciate. And there's nothing worse than, you know, coming into a change room or environment that another team or another person's been in it and they've left the, the, the gym untidy, they've left stuff around and that sort of thing because, you know, it takes away from your time for preparation because you have to start cleaning up first before you can get your environment ready for your session. Yeah, hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. What about a uh, favourite way to spend a day off? Uh, favourite way, good. Uh, with, with my family, you know, like just, just going and doing stuff. I'm fortunate enough to live on the Gold Coast now, so you know, a day at a cafe and, and down at the beach is always a, a really nice way to spend it. So I love to just get out in the garden a bit and you know, trim the hedges and do that sort of thing. Especially when you're away so many weekends, things tend to get away from you. So I really enjoy getting out and making things. Look nice and tidy in the yard so that'll be my key and, and golf but that takes me away from my family so it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a give and take there love golf terrible player but it's great fun being out there yeah and so we're halfway through rec- the year of 2023 in uh, July on this recording what's on the horizon for the rest of the year mate what are you excited about for us it's pretty much we just finished our whole representative program with some women's state of origin programs under 19's origins and so we're going through a bit of a review process now so a lot of people don't like reviews so I find it pretty exciting we get to really reflect on on what we did and, and how we can be better next time we then move into our city country program which is starting in, in September so it'll be exciting that's our 17 year old kids that are coming through which is really good because we just had our first cohort well since I've been involved with Queensland Rugby League comes through our 19's program so it's really good to see them over three seasons and see how they developed and, and grew so really looking forward to that and then and, uh, with the ACA just, we've just had the roll out of, of all of the the new courses so there's always feedback coming in which is really exciting and, and um, get to have another 
cohort of level three coaches come through next week. So we've got an online level three starting next uh, Wednesday, which is really exciting. We've got some really quality coaches coming in to be part of that. So as much as I'm there coordinating and actually running a few sessions, I learned so much of all the people who come into the course as well. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, plenty happening. That's great, mate. Well, yeah, thank you for so much for your time and um, sharing with us you, you, some stories in different roles of experience, but uh, also some great advice, gems all the way through uh, in terms of how we can get better as SNC coaches, both formally with education, but also uh, finding mentors and how important that is to shape your philosophy and 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 probably the biggest takeaway is to have a real clear understanding on your your own philosophy bef- and understanding on how you coach before asking time of others. I guess so you really clear on the questions you're asking you got clarity and purpose on if you're going to use someone else's time you're going to maximize that for your own development by knowing what you're going what you want to achieve and I, I guess before you go into it yes i really appreciate it john thanks for jumping on we'll add the show note the links to your linkedin and twitter i know you've got a business consultancy that you mentioned as well is there a website that you want to plug before we wrap it up no no i'm not that advanced to have a website or anything like that there so no that's that's all good you can find me on linkedin and twitter if you know me that way, that's going to be fantastic. And that's, as I said, it's business consultancy as well as strength and conditioning mentorship that you offer? No, no, just the strength and conditioning, yeah. Strength, strength and conditioning, yep. Not that great a business. We get all, or to have a website and a lot of other stuff going on and, yeah. So just rethink people can find you on Twitter and LinkedIn. They're, they're free, so it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Awesome. Well, yeah, for those that tuned in halfway through uh, this live chat as well, this will this episode will live on our YouTube channel, so you can find that if you search for Pair Like a Pro on the live chat section, and then we'll post it on our podcast, Spotify, iTunes, the next two weeks. Our next live chat is with Brendan Parsons. That's on the 26th of July at 4.30 p.m. Australian Standard Time. So I'll see you guys then. Thanks again, John. Thanks, Jack. Pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian of the Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane and I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their N of 1 experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then Game changes. Yeah, like game changes, whatever that might be. And, look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the strength conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us. Awesome. So he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So 
I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask your question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful. Plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my my question to you was: you spoke quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat, um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did um, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah certainly yeah has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just to be to say what I'm grateful for. Sort of three things, and um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to yeah like reset and and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about you know that there is more to life than football or you know might be whatever as an SNC coach you know if something's you having a hard time. Um, it can be massive with just yeah opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then, and um, you know I thought there was one way of doing things, and um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment. It would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things. Um, Cause you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review, or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.